Alex, another week has passed. Indeed, it is Friday yes. again. It is Friday. It is Friday. It's our end of week show. Always, you know, the... I don't know. As much as I love doing the guests, I think it's my favorite show because it's just you and me talking shop, and that's fun. Yeah, and discovering new things about your apartment, like the fact that you don't have a thermostat. I and don't. as someone that lives in a, uh, a climate that gets, let's say really cold yeah that's terrible <laughs> yeah it's it's weird this apartment the heating is all like hot water pipes i guess it's like you know like there's floor like floorboard built-in heating and uh it just you know runs hot water through that shit and once it turns on i can't turn that off like it just there's a temperature gauge somewhere in the basement and that's when it decides to click on and so therefore i have no ability to adjust the temperature in my apartment other than opening windows in the hopes of trying to balance it out somehow do you have to pay for that no or is that just like included oh okay all right that's the trade-off that's a little bit... is that it's cheap and it works and mm. obviously the apartment stays nice and warm and toasty sometimes a little too toasty it's just that i can't you know comfortable temperature is not really an option during the winter I understand. Okay. All right. I guess that. If the idea that like, you had no way of regulating your temperature and also were paying for that up the ass as gas prices no, and electric no, prices no. usually are in the winter. Okay. All right. I got you. Um, what have you been playing this week? Uh, well, I did play some Octodad. You uh, did? You put up a review on the site. I sure did. gave it four stars. There is a quick look as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seemed like you liked the game more than I got the sense uh, of what your review was going to be like when I first talked to you about it after you finished it. Yeah, when I first played it, uh, I, I played through it last week, and I was kind of surprised when it was over because I did not expect that game to be like three hours long, which it is. Um, the last hour of that game is kind of a bummer in that it tries to throw in a few too many gameplay mechanics to what has up to that point mostly just been a achieve these very minor objectives while also flailing around like an idiot and just making crazy shit happen game for like two hours. They're they're physics puzzles. Like, they're very basic physics puzzles where things happen to go wrong more often than they happen to go right. Right, and it going wrong is very much the point, and that works out well. The problem is that in that last hour, things going wrong results in more failure states than just, you know, crazy shit happening. And that's not really conducive to the way that game controls and is sort of designed. And the other thing I alluded to, and I, you know, I won't obviously spoil the entire story here, but I will say that the ending does not really capitalize on the premise as well as it, you know, it's kind of been set up to. It sort of rushes through the end a little faster than I would have liked. So I was kind of bummed by that because I really wanted to love the shit out of that game. And the ending parts kind of left a sour taste in my mouth. But earlier this week, I went through and I played through it again. I spent more time in the environments, like, trying to find all the, you know, different collectible ties and other things that are kind of floating around in there. And, you know, I found some gags I hadn't seen before. And I think I just enjoyed it more because I was taking a much more leisurely pace with it. Uh, And I kind of, you know, like, when you do that and you're not just trying to, like, blow through it to get to the end... You know, the 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 gags have a little more room to breathe. There's more. There is stuff you didn't see the first time around. Uh, and I tried out the co-op mode a little bit uh, with my girlfriend, and that was suitably ridiculous. So you know, I mean, I I ended up coming away more positive after going through it that second time than I was, you know, after that that first playthrough. Well, it, you know, I mean, that's the tough part with uh, reviewing games in general. Like, is is figuring out that pace, uh, and then also. You know, sometimes by the end of the game, maybe you get a better sense of what the pace of the game 
you know, wants it to be, right. but that, you know, the pace of what you want it to be so that, you know, you can get your job done uh, is a little bit different. And I imagine for, you know, a game that is, you know, it's a puzzle game, sort of, it's a comedy game, mostly, yeah. uh, that, you know, that part becomes, you know, kind of entwined, like pacing is a huge part of comedy. And another, you know, and, and on top of that, having that last bit be my last experience with the game definitely left more of a sour taste. Like when I went back and played through, I remembered some of the, 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 the goofy interactions between Octodad and his family, which are really good. Like the writing in that game, you know, it's not, it's not overwrought, but it is really funny. The exchanges between Octodad and his family are really good. The weird, which is an accomplishment. Yeah. That's, you know, not many games are funny. Yeah, it does. It, it's 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 good because it's subtle and it doesn't try to be too like it lets the gameplay be the super ridiculous over the top part while the character interactions are just kind of, you know, sweet wife saying some kind of weird, funny things. And then, you know, Octodad blubbing in various ways. And the kids are actually, you know, surprisingly endearing little characters. And I liked even the crazy chef villain until the end when he started throwing shit at me and I actually had to attack Dodge. And yeah, it's you know, it's it. I think that the 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 primary construct of that game is really really good. I think it just you know it's a bummer that it falls off a little toward the end, but I, you know, I found myself laughing a lot more than I generally do with any game, whether it tries to be funny or not. I think I think that's the response I've seen from a lot of folks. I haven't had a chance to play it yet. I'm 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 hoping to get to that uh, really soon. Uh, but there is like I think that's one of the first responses like how genuinely like funny and heartening the game is and charming the game is just because you know it's one thing when you know a guy like Tim Schafer does it but most games when they try to be funny uh it's just you know it's over the top like a, a bullet storm in which that's just gonna you know alienate large pot you know swaths of of people uh surely due to taste but after that it's like man that game's just it just seems charming and funny yep. and that's cool because it's also from you know a bunch of self-funded developers that, uh, you know, essentially making this a livelihood, you know, lives or dies based on how well this does. Yeah, and, you know, I, I think that Octodad, premise-wise, is one of the great, you know, comic premises ever tried in a video game. And that it is not completely successful does not negate the fact that it is a really cool idea. You know, it fleshes out a lot of the ideas from that first Octodad game, which uh, I played again just to kind of remind myself of what it was, because I hadn't played it since, I don't know, probably like 2011 or something, maybe 2012. But, uh, and yeah, I, I, you can see the improvement. You can see what they learned and what they built upon. And I just really like that character. I think he's really cute. I like the idea that he's just so desperately wants to just kind of fit into this nuclear, you know, human society and desperately, you know, it's just flailing everywhere, but, you know, is trying so, so hard to just kind of be a really good dad. Like, I think that's that's cool. That's sweet. I like it. Yeah, and, and, and it seems like, you know, what you talk about in terms of the end game, you know, maybe reflects, uh, maybe to some extent, a lack of confidence in the stuff that came before in this idea that, uh, oh, well, people are going to get bored. You know, we've got to change it up in a way. We've got to add, uh, you know, some more gamey mechanics, and it seems like the moment they started doing that is the moment that they kind of kind of lose a little bit of what makes the uh, parts before it uh, so great in the first place. Yeah, I mean, I th it feels like they really wanted there to be a significant conflict at the end of the game. And the way they went about it was, like you said, to just kind of try and throw in these more traditionally gamey elements to it. I think there's a way they probably could have built that conflict without 
forcing you to platform jump and uh, deal with attack dodging that just doesn't really fit with the control scheme that they've they've built out for that game. But, you know, they went with what they did. It doesn't entirely work. Like, it's not super fun. But it is still funny. Like, it is still ridiculous. It's just that, you know, they, they, they unfortunately create a few too many fail-state situations for a game that really doesn't seem like it's about that for, you know, the opening couple of hours. Yeah, it seems like, if anything, the game, you know, from the bits I've played and, and seen, it's more like you should be rewarded for managing to wrangle this creature yes. uh, and perform better as opposed to being punished uh, for the game sort of, you know, being about being out of control and, and messing things up. So uh, it seems like they kind of reversed that in a way that wasn't very fun. And the moment you said stealth, I was just like, oh, no. Oh no! <laughs> the funny thing with that stealth, the, the the stealth sequences, is that once you figure out the path to success, it's actually not that hard. The problem is that they lay out so many other paths that are way harder, and they're they're mm. the more blatantly obvious ones. So you start trying those, and they just don't really seem to work very well. Uh, it's you know it, it they're not the best parts of the game, but those opening two hours are really really great, and so I think that was enough for me to say. You know, this is something I would pretty easily recommend to most people with just this minor caveat in mind of, hey, it gets kind of hard toward the end, but you'll like this. So, yeah. Well, hopefully it comes out. You know, it's coming on PS4 as well. In March. Sounds like they're, uh, you know, getting to work on finishing up that version. Uh, the PlayStation Move stuff that I saw at PAX last year looked particularly hilarious. Yep. Uh, where you can control the different uh, tentacles with a move. And I imagine with a. If, Lord knows who owns four move controllers, uh, let alone more than one, um, although I own three, but mostly for Joust. I'm, yeah, I'm um, guessing the Johann Sebastian Joust developers have four move controllers and maybe no yeah. one else. But like co-op with a bunch of move controllers sounds sounds completely ridiculous. Yeah. Because uh, the co-op in that game sounds crazy as well, because the idea that you're all just controlling one of his arms... So you're kind of working together, but mostly probably just wanting to kill each other. It so barely works, but it barely works in the best way possible, is is how I, I would describe it. It's it it's just functional enough to where you can do what you need to do, but it you know, you're already flailing around when you're just one person. When you have four people and you're trying to coordinate, I imagine that's just complete insanity. Yeah. Um and then the complete opposite end of the spectrum, I've I've been playing the banner saga, and that game is Last a minute, right? Man. <laughs> you weren't joking. Like, there's, you know, without giving away what occurs, like, there is just this general sense of, in that game, uh, don't get too attached to anyone because the game will find a way to kill them off at any moment. And it's unclear when these moments occur. Mm-hmm. Uh, they all occur outside of battle. So in Banner Saga, during the combat moments, Nobody permanently dies. Uh, they just become injured. Uh, injured, and then you have to sacrifice uh, days on the road to rest in order to bring them back uh, to fighting strength. Otherwise, uh, or to full fighting strength. Otherwise, when they're, if they go into battle injured, uh, they go in with uh, less uh, strength, uh, which can be a, a big handicap at a particularly tough battle. Uh, so the actual character deaths uh, occur during the, like, sort of Oregon Trail traveling sequences in which you are engaging in dialogue trees. And, like, oh, no, this horrible thing is about to happen. Make one of three choices. Like, shoot an arrow or go and grab the person or wait and see if it works itself out. And 
you pick one, and it seems like every time it's the wrong choice, or maybe I'm just bad at it. <laughs> I think you're probably... Okay, so here's what I'll say, is that I only lost a few characters over the course of my journey. Some of them were, you know, characters that, that were seemed seemed central to the story, uh, but maybe were not. Uh, I don't know. But... I, I, I think there, it's good if the game can present that though. Yeah. Like if you if it can kill off characters in a sort of Game of Thrones style, where it's like, oh well, this this game can't keep going without those characters, so they're safe. Yeah. In the way Game of Thrones will just kill off main nobody characters, is safe. You would think, yeah, nobody is safe. It's it's it is very much like Game of Thrones. It's just don't get too attached because it's gonna bum you out. Yeah. So and I I think I lost less characters than you did because I only lost a few over the course and then. Uh, there were definitely some decisions where it seemed like there was no right answer, like someone was going to die no matter what, so you just kind of have to pick your poison. Um, but there are, I mean, there are opportunities to save some of those people, I think. Uh, I definitely went back over the course of a few chapters and replayed them, making some different decisions, and that, you know, re resulted in a few different situations in terms of who made it and who didn't. But, uh, oh. but uh, the whole, I mean primarily i played through that just like if someone died someone died that was that you know i wanted to kind of you know live with my consequences as much as i could uh when i when i was going through that initially yeah uh but it does create this heightened sense of tension that you don't normally get in a strategy game uh or just games in general because often when you know the way xcom handles uh character deaths is on the field of battle um the way fire emblem handles character deaths is on the field of battle so yep. Uh, it puts the the onus on maintaining characters being a, as a part of your story on the player and the strategies they employ and the actions that they take and the decisions they make. Right. Uh, whereas Banner Saga says, "Look, just enjoy the bat enjoy the battle parts, employ your strategy. We'll give you consequences for playing poorly in a different way, but you'll keep all of your characters, which I think is fun is fundamentally different than how most games handle that, and I think is really interesting uh, and and makes it." Because cause when it happens in battle, it's, you know, a binary uh, sort of outcome. Either you help them survive and they live, or they die on the field and they're gone. Whereas in these dialogue choices, you don't have a good sense of what's going to happen. Yeah, like it's, it's ambiguous. It feels, like, it feels like you're making the right decision, but I've been punished two times in a row, uh, and I don't, at this point, I have zero confidence in my decision making. I might as well just close my eyes. And just pick number three. But Patrick, sometimes there is no right decision. Sometimes even the best decision still results in, you know, abject misery for people. Like, I think that's what it's sort of trying to hammer home is that you can try and be the best leader you want to be. But sometimes you just have to do things that result in a lot of bad shit happening to good people. You know, there's nothing you can really do about that. That's true. And one of the characters that uh, sort of becomes the leader, there, there are sort of two campaigns or two storylines happening uh, concurrently. And you're and you're kind of swapping between them uh, in the chapters, and you know, very much so. One of the one of the sides is about someone being thrust into a leadership role, and I think that's they end up kind of casting that character as the player, right. uh, where this person is is not comfortable being a leader, doesn't uh, really like the idea of having to decide who lives and who dies, and when you should be sacrificing resources or telling people to f off. Uh, so as a result, uh, it's sort of uh, transposes some of the anxieties of of you as the player mm -hmm. onto this character, which is nice. It does. It is, is nice that like you're not playing as a guy who's like, uh, I know all the right decisions, and then you're just the 
the bumbling buffoon of a video game player just like no retreat no and that's and i think that's 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 what struck a chord with me with that game is that the the you know as much as the writing does get really heavy and really you know uh, it can be a real bummer as far as you know situations that you're kind of thrust into and the the non-stop just sadness from everybody around you uh yeah I, I think it does a really good job of of making you know the character identify or the player identify with the character that you are you know ostensibly controlling um i felt a little bit less that way about the 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 varl character that is also supposed to be kind of the player's perspective because you kind of lose track of him for a while mm -hmm. um you know and there are definitely some spots where it seems like you know the the the, the stuff you're thrust into is a little little overwrought and uneven compared to you know what what the actual situation appears to be but mostly i i would apart from like some weird dialogue here and there i thought the writing in that game was was really strong and you know i've seen a lot of people make uh i don't know i'm curious to see what you think uh, a lot of people commented that the the battles in that game are not really that deep or interesting uh and you know that's something i noted in my review that there's not really a lot of variance in the combat but i also got the impression that the combat was meant to be more like a much more fleshed out version of the hunting mechanic from oregon trail it's like you go into battles because you have to uh or because the story dictates it maybe but most times when you go into battle it's just because you happened upon some dudes and you just got to kind of fight them off there's really only one boss fight in that game to speak of uh mm. But I didn't mind that so much because it took me a while to learn the battle strategy in that game to kind of, you know, just get out on the field and learn, like, what some of the best tactics are to actually, you know, win in a fight. So, I don't know. I, it, that didn't really bother me as much. I'm curious if it bothered you much at all. Uh, it's a weird thing to come to grips with, uh, mostly because of the dynamic that I was talking about earlier about, you know, just being, you know, in strategy games where you're often stressed when you go out onto the battlefield because it's like, okay, this is it. Now, if I make really dumb moves, if, I, if I'm too risky, if uh, the way I've set my characters up at the start of battle uh, is inappropriate, then, uh, you know, these people are going to die and I'm not going to have them moving forward and the experience that they've... Uh, uh, accumulated. Uh, accumulated, yeah. Yeah, there's the word. Uh, <laughs> over the, the course of uh, the campaign, it's all going to be lost. But right. so far, at least on the normal difficulty... All level one guys, you you can kind of you can kind of make do. Like yeah. you're gonna if you have more leveled up dudes that you've promoted, obviously they're gonna be more key. They can act more tankish, especially if you have the bigger guys that can kind of rush in there and have three guys hammering on them, and you can just have you know other guys from other sides ticking down their armor. Uh, but I have found myself getting less and less stressed about the game as I go forward, at least in terms of the battle, uh, because. There just isn't a whole lot of risk involved in it. And I think I quite like a lot of what the Banner Saga is doing, but it really does feel like a lot of first takes on ideas that hopefully will be a lot more interesting sure. going forward. Like, for example, the the there's so there's battles that will just kind of come up. Mm -hmm. um, some of them are optional. Uh, you'll get, you know, additional renown and uh, resources as a result of taking part in them. Uh but then there are these moments where you'll come across like huge sections of uh, enemies, and then you go into a war mode, and that's when you have a couple of different options where you can charge in right away, and it's basically like, do you how much do you uh, want to scale the difficulty of the battle 
for yourself. Right. Uh, but the easier the battle you make for yourself, uh, then the more uh, people you might lose, which means the more resources you might lose. Um, and I don't know. Every time I've gotten into it, it's like, ah, the enemy is kind of weak. So just charge right in. There's just not yeah. a lot of depth to the war stuff uh, to the point that I'm, you know, it seems like they wanted to have large scale tactics, but there's just not a lot there. So I just don't find it very interesting unless that's something that changes over the course. How many, of the how many hours are you in at this point? Uh, four or five hours. Okay, yeah. The last, like, three hours are probably where, like, the toughest battles are, uh, especially toward the very end. Um, they're not impossible by any stretch, but if you're going in with, like, level one dudes on normal difficulty, you will probably get your ass handed to you. So you might want to start upgrading those dudes at some point. No, I... Look, I don't have level one dudes. I'm doing You were just fine. talking I'm about just, level one dudes. I But I'm saying, like, when I've gone in, it seems like... You could probably make do All right. with level one guys, um, and I wonder. I wonder how the game would handle that if you just ended up. Well, I, they must. They must just like assume, like this. The game must scale in a way that certain characters, like they're not gonna kill off everyone. Right. Like, don't spoil this because you've obviously finished it. But like, I have to imagine they're taking that into account where they're like, you're not gonna end up with level one characters by the end. Like, just through brute force alone, you will end up with some leveled up characters that can act in certain ways by the end. You're but, not going to end uh, up with like all your built up characters gone. No, like you will, you will probably still have some people left over provided you don't make the literal worst decisions every single time. Right. Yeah. So that, all I, that. you know, I, and, and I, and I do like, uh, you know, some of the moral decisions that come up, uh, basically have no impact on you. Mm -hmm. So there's, it's purely just like, what kind of character do you want to play? You know, like for example, you'll come across, a village uh, that you don't have to save, but even when you do save it, you know, those people need to go back to a major city and it's up to you whether, you know, you want to just tell them, Hey, go on your way. Or do you want to uh, send an escort with them? But if you send an escort with them, then you're losing fighters that you need for the war sections of the game. And you know, there's no real benefit for you to, to do that. Uh, it's not like they're uh, able to offer you anything. Sure. And I guess maybe you can think that that'll pay off down the road. Um, like for example, I had a character, uh, last night that said, and it was one of my leveled up guys, he was level three. And he said, and I think you can only go up to level five, five right? is the limit. That's fine. Um, he was like, Hey, I want to go back and escort them back. And I was like, ah, oh, but you're my level three dude. Like, you're really good. Like, I enjoy having you on my team, but I let him go. Yep. I let him go. And I don't know if I'll get anything in return for that or he'll just show up at some point or that's just like, Hey, do you want to be a nice guy? Mm-hmm. So I guess I chose to be a nice well, guy. Well, I'm not going to tell you what happens there, but uh, I, what I will say is that I when I, I did similar to you when I played through. I kind of role played it more as you know, what would I do in that situation? You know, would mm -hmm. would I would I let that guy go? You know, would I uh, would I make those those hard like how would I make those decisions? And I think that the game gives you a nice array of ways to to go about that. So it's good stuff. I'm looking forward to the sequel. I like, but like you, I I do hope they flesh out a lot more of those ideas into something a little more interesting because. I feel like another 10 hours of just that isn't quite enough to justify a sequel, other than the fact that the ending completely falls off a cliff, which you'll see. Yeah. Uh, I like, again, so the Bandit Saga is a game I really like. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm enjoying it, but I think uh, it's it's a solid foundation that I really hope they do a lot more sure. to the tactics and the mechanics and, and flesh out those ideas, rather than just that, like you said, for another 10 hours, uh, because... Uh, especially because there is no real 
consequence for uh, you know your characters dying in battle, uh, except for the resources. And I'm sure that you know if I keep letting my guys die, I'm sure I'll get resource constrained near the end. Yep. Uh, I'm not doing that, but I could see that being how they would handle that. I I, I just I you know as, as despairing as this game is, uh, there's just not as much to the combat as I would like. Uh, so whether that's adding more tension with uh, what happens to your characters, or if that's just additional layers of depth because i think that you know the armor health dynamic is interesting mm-hmm. but that is sort of it it's uh, not you know, but it's got, not enough on its own yeah like you've got some characters uh that that make it you know interesting in how you're going to set up and lure different enemies out like for example i've got an archer uh that can uh put uh hot coals on the ground yep and if enemies walk over that uh, they'll take uh, strength slash health, which are the same thing in the Banner Saga. They'll take that kind of damage uh, when they walk over it. But more than likely, uh, enemies will walk around it. Mm-hmm. So one of the layers of depth to the Banner Saga is using the pathfinding of the enemies to lure them into the spots that you want. Because yep. uh, one of my one of my guys, one of the Varl, who are like the, the giants in, in the Banner Saga, um, has an attack that does, uh, I think, eight-way uh, impact. Uh, so, you know, if there are four enemies around him and he's been leveled up sufficiently, he can hit four enemies at once with this attack. It's not the most devastating attack, but he can take off like two health per guy. Uh, and that's two against four, uh, which, uh, is, is significantly, uh, can help in a battle. So there are those situations that I feel like come up like maybe once in a battle. And then at some point it's just a matter of like putting my tanks forward, letting them chip away at the armor, uh, having support characters kind of come in and do what they can, and then it just becomes a bit of a war of attrition with my tanks uh, until the battle's over. Yeah, I don't think I had a single battle where uh, someone didn't end up going down with injury at some, at one time or another. You know, and I'm sure there there are people who are like whatever, man, you just weren't strategizing right. But yeah, you know, you, at a certain point, you just have to realize you're going to lose some dudes, so you, you just have to build around that to a certain degree. Yeah, like I mean, like the, the guys I normally end up losing are like one tank who just everyone decided to focus on, yep. so he just became sort of the focus of everyone uh, whacking away at him. So I just try and position that as my guy who can last basically 10 turns of just like concentrated hits, mm-hmm. uh, which allows you to take down everyone around them. Um, or, you know, you've got your archer kind of hidden off. And then at some point, some guy says, eh, I want to go whack them. And yep. your archer just does not have much health. Nope. And if they decide to, uh, so one of the, one of the other parts of the banner saga is that when you attack, uh, you have something called willpower, mm-hmm. uh, which are uh, represented with stars and you can, add willpower to an attack uh, to do more damage than usual. But those run out and only fill up uh, when enemies are uh, killed on the the battlefield. Uh, So, you know, you'll get one guy who decides, eh, I'm going to go hit your archer. And it's like, well, he's dead in one hit, so later, archer. Uh, And and that happens. But, uh, yeah, I am enjoying it, and I'm looking forward to to getting uh, to the end and then uh, maybe playing this game called Jazz Punk. Yeah. That comes out soon. We'll, but I don't we'll, we'll talk about that one next week. I'll have I'll have some words on that game next week. I bet you would. Yeah, I bet you would. Um, so I played that. I think that's pretty much all. You played, played a lot of Spelunky. Either. I know that. I haven't played a lot of Spelunky. I'm not sure if there's much to say except to go watch the archive from yesterday on the site. Uh, I think we are nearing the end of uh, that feature. Mm-hmm. I am s- sort of setting up uh, that feature at least. Uh, to the length that we're doing, um, like, you know, warm-ups and also the daily challenge. Uh, you know, that's a significant part of my day mm-hmm. to re- set that up, record that, 
archive that. Uh, it really takes away from doing other stuff, which I really enjoy doing it, but I can't I can't do it forever. Uh, so I've sort of set the end date on that feature to be uh, defeating Yama, who is the uh, second secret boss in that game. And uh, you know, without spoiling what happened yesterday, uh, we are on the path to uh, marching through hell and uh, taking that dude out. Uh, but the way we got there yesterday, whew, I someone's watching out for me. Yeah, someone is watching out for me when I play that game. And that man is Coach Temkin. Yeah, yeah, he is. He is watch. Although I do much better when he's not around. So maybe I, I think I learn my lessons when I'm near him, and then I'm calm and able to apply them. Right. Uh, when he's not when he's not around. But I'll be going to the office today, um, and uh, probably uh, streaming with him uh, a little bit later. Um, and then I don't know. I'm not sure. People have expressed maybe interest in uh, turning that feature into maybe me just banging my head against other roguelikes, which I think could be fun. Uh, I've heard a lot of folks talking about La Mulana, uh, which there's a sequel on Kickstarter right now. But La Mulana is essentially described as uh, a Spelunky Dark Souls hybrid Mm. uh, or Dark Souls 2D. Uh, which sounds interesting and stupid and crazy. Um, and then maybe, or maybe this could just turn into uh, Patrick and Alex keep saying, hey, we're going to play Risk of Rain. Uh, maybe that's just where we play Risk of Rain. Uh, I would be cool with that too. I'm into that idea. See? Let's do it. See? See? Look at me. Look at me figuring it out. So, yeah. So I think we're going to play that. You know, I, I could just have a whole other week of just no progress. That's mm-hmm. absolutely possible. That happens in Spelunky. But. I'm thinking there's probably at most another week of that in me. And then I might still record my daily challenges, but just purely jump in, do the daily challenge. And I might do that in evenings uh, outside of uh, Giant Bomb time. So we'll see. Uh, but we are on the, the path to Yama, where we shall dine in hell. Um, and that's all I've been doing this week. What do you? What about you? Anything else? Uh, I've been setting up a couple of games for some more Bombastica stuff. Uh, I've been reviewing some other games, which are you know currently under embargo. Uh I still haven't finished Broken Age because I'm an asshole, um, but I'm going to. I'm literally like, just just like that close to the end. I just haven't done that last bit that I need to do. I'll say this about Broken Age. Uh, I take back what I said before, and I mentioned this to to you on IM when mm-hmm. implying that you should you know try and get on finishing it. Is uh, the the game has I think an excellent uh, cliffhanger slash right. ending for its act one. I, it comes. Uh, full circle in a way that is completely unpredictable. Uh, I did not see coming and is really wonderful. And my mouth was on the floor and you need to finish it. Uh, and it makes me uh, it makes me pleasantly surprised as someone that has not followed that game's development because I just don't back gaming Kickstarters. Right. Um, that when they had to make the decision to turn it into two parts, they were able to find a really clean way to do that because they totally did. Cool. Yeah, I'm, everyone has said the exact same thing to me, so I am very anxious to to see what that is. And unlike you, I don't back gaming Kickstarters either. I only back Kickstarters for uh, RoboCop statues and uh, mm-hmm. books on wrestling video games. That's it. Oh, so you mean you have ethics? Yeah. Is that what that is? Perhaps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of an unfamiliar that's what they taught feeling me. to me. That's what they taught me at school. Huh. Okay. Yeah, sure. Uh, hey, Patrick. Yeah. There's been some news this week. There has. There's been some stuff going down. Especially been some Nintendo news this week, which you wrote about. There has, yeah. Yeah. They uh so after we heard about Nintendo's financial results, um, which were not good, mm-hmm. uh, they had promised they were gonna outline a strategy going forward 
this uh, past Thursday. Uh, there had been uh, a report in the Nikkei, the Nikkei, Nikkei. Let's I don't know how to pronounce let's, that let's Japanese. Nikkei, that sounds that sounds right. Uh, Japanese newspaper that has a uh, good track record of reporting on Nintendo. We're not talking about a Nintendo fan site. We are talking about a legitimate Japanese newspaper that has uh, reported on, on Nintendo's internal uh, doings in the past. And they had suggested Nintendo was going to roll out a strategy that included putting out uh, mini games on uh, smartphones, you know, tablets, mm-hmm. phones, all that whole thing. Uh, basically, platforms that were not Microsoft and Sony made. Um, but Nintendo was going to produce stuff for that, and and that, that didn't happen. No, they're they might be doing that, but they did not disclose that at their investor meeting on Thursday. Uh, instead, uh, they promised. I guess the big reveal was that they're going to do a a big health initiative that's going to roll out in 2016, but there will be new details of, or maybe that's fiscal 2016. I, it, it's I would a little hope ways so, off. That's a it's, long way off. I might be fiscal 2016, which means it would be. Uh, next year, but uh, in any case, it's uh, they're going to reveal it later this year. Uh, it's not going to be a wearable device, so mm-hmm. it's not sort of the, the you know the hip new trend in the tech industry of smart watches and and things like that. But uh, I can see you know where they would look at the success of We Fit uh, and think they could appro- uh, apply that bro- more broadly. Uh, uh, but you know they do need to have their hands in more in more cups uh, in order to allow some things to fail uh, so that the, the other things can make up for it. Um, but, you know, that's not really an exciting announcement. We don't really know what that means. And everything else was just doubling down on what they've already got. They're going to put Nintendo DS games on the Wii U uh, Which, as part of a virtual, virtual console lineup. Sure, why not, I guess. Yeah, uh, that could be cool. Yeah, Maybe. I don't think that's, that's um, really the kind of thing people would buy a system for. But, you know, sure, that'll make the people already have them happy, I guess. Yeah, there's a uh, Mario Kart 8 is coming out in May. Um, they are doubling down on the gamepad. They have Miyamoto assigned to working on, I guess, uh, a new IP that is going to make use of that. Um, so they're not giving up on the Wii U, and they're not doing a significant price cut. Um, and I'm trying to see if there was any. Let me they are going the, to look for story. new licensing opportunities for their characters. Yeah, I guess the, the the feeling there, you know, they specifically said that, you know, that doesn't mean that Mario is going to show up on an Xbox, but my guess is that they feel as though their characters have lost a little bit of the spotlight. You know, Mario used to be, and still remains, an extremely popular character, uh, but he used to have visibility on the level of Mickey Mouse right. uh, with children. Um, and I think Iwata did say specifically one of the things they had failed to do uh, was connect with the youth in a way that they had in the past. Got to get those um, kids so, on board, man. So I don't know if that means just like more Nintendo cereals or, you know, li- licensing opportunities can only do so much. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I think that, that you know, their stock fell uh, out of that uh, announcement, uh, specifically because I think people were hoping for, hey, Mario's coming to a, a smartphone. But, uh, you know, I think it was premature to expect that Nintendo was going to be too aggressive. Nintendo is a conservative company that moves slowly, uh, that works uh, when it works well for them, it works very well. When it doesn't work for them, uh, it works very poorly, as we're seeing now. But uh, I don't know. What do you What do you make of all this stuff? It all just comes off very cautious. It comes off, you know, like a lot of half measures. Um, but you know, again, I, I I hate armchair trying to determine what is the right or not right move for Nintendo. Mm. I don't like trying to assume that I have better business acumen than the people that are running that entire company. But 
you know, doubling down on the gamepad makes sense if you're not going to, you know, move on from the Wii U anytime soon, and it sounds like they are not, so I guess that they really don't have any choice but to do that. Um, the idea that, you know, Nintendo Network ID coming to phones and tablets is fine, like, that's not a bad move by any stretch, but, you know, it doesn't necessarily get... Like, that's not a reason to, you know, invest in Nintendo hardware. That's something, that's again, something you do if you already own the Nintendo soft, you know, hardware that, that goes along with that. Um, and, you know, adding DS games to the virtual console, it's like, okay, cool. That doesn't really solve the virtual console problem, which is that the lineup is super sporadic. Uh, you barely release anything for it. Uh, and this would probably work way better as a, you know, monthly fee kind of situation versus just a la carte, you know, two games every two weeks or something. Um, so I don't know. It just doesn't feel like there's really a whole lot of solutions in there. It feels like they this is just them saying, yes, we recognize this is a problem. This is what we have so far. And then just kind of throwing their hands up, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that Awada mentioned was that going forward, they need to have not only a unified account system, but an account system that lives outside the sphere of the device. Right. Uh, which is something people uh, like us have been... Demanding is the wrong word because it's their failure. Uh, they're just, you know, in 2014, the idea that you don't have an account that lives onto the next platform and brings over your purchases uh, and things like that uh, is it, not only is it incompetence, but it's it's greedy and it's why I don't buy anything on the virtual console anymore. Yep. Uh, and I think I might have to uh, slightly betray that next week. I'm having some friends over for my birthday and we really want to play Mario Kart. So like buying all the equipment and paying for that game on eBay is way more expensive than just paying 10 bucks on virtual console. Sure. Uh, but in general, I really, I really don't like the idea of paying for games that I I've bought a million times before. And the idea that I have to pay for them again on a new console with uh, minimal improvements, I think is, is just, it's insulting and mm -hmm. it doesn't, it doesn't carry anymore. Um, I shouldn't have to pay for Super Mario World again uh, when, you know, if you want to charge me a dollar uh, to add, you know, a gamepad support, that's fine. You're adding a feature. Yeah. I, I'm willing to in invest in that. But, you know, the fact that when people lose, have their devices break uh, or if they're stolen, they can't they can't get access to that stuff again. It's it's not acceptable anymore. And it breaches a trust in the very people that Nintendo cannot break their trust in, uh, which is its core audience. And, and that's. That's not something they can guarantee in the long term to continue acting this way. And while it's nice to see Iwata acknowledge that they're going to incorporate that stuff going forward, by saying they need that going forward sure makes it sound like that's not something we can expect on the Wii U or the 3DS, and that's going to be their platform that you know probably is announced in 2015 and comes out in 2016. Yeah, and I, I don't know. It's like just on, on the virtual console front, I've just never gotten the impression that Nintendo ever really believed the idea that, you know, a more robust and, you know, something more, I don't know, I guess like monthly fee-minded would actually work. Like, I don't, I've never gotten the impression that Nintendo actually thought the virtual console thing was really going to work for them outside of, you know, the big first-party Nintendo games that they put out there uh and you know just can kind of resell like that that was as far as their strategy ever got with that thing and i don't know maybe they have a reason for thinking that but you know just adding ds games to their already kind of shitty you know release schedule for 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 the wii u virtual console is just 
it just doesn't solve anything. And that's, I, I guess that's my problem with a lot of these, these, these things that they're talking about is that none of them on their own seem like they're really going to solve any problems. They just seem like things they are saying they are doing because they know they have to do something. And I don't know. We'll see how that goes. Hey, Mario Kart's out in May. That's great, right? That's, that's, it looks that's good. Yeah, it looks it, it's good. fun. I played it. It's fun. And Donkey Kong comes out next month, and I'm looking forward to playing that because the last uh, retro Donkey Kong was terrific. It was a great game. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to playing more of that. And, you know, I think at this point, you know, I, Nintendo has to double down on the Wii U. Like sure. the idea that, you know, when we talk about breaching trust, uh, the Wii U is not sold to the degree that they wanted uh, or, or anyone wanted. Um, but. The idea that you would just drop that platform and move on, you know, that I think that would be a worse way of handling. Sure. That might make investors happy, but that wouldn't make me happy. That wouldn't make the other people who have uh, bought that in the good faith that Nintendo is going to deliver uh, quality games for a couple of years for it. So, you know, even if we end up hearing about what they're doing next uh, next year, um, you know, I, I I would like to at least hope that the, the Wii U will be, you know, a three to four year platform that gets, at the very least, Nintendo's. A commitment of high quality games, you know, two or three times a year. And you know what? That's okay for me because I went into that machine thinking that's just make that what you're going to expect out of a Nintendo platform. And if you get anything else, that's gravy. Um, and, I, you know, it sounds like they're going to continue to do that. And that makes me as a Wii U owner uh, happy, uh, even if that's not going to change the fate of the company. Yeah. Again, you know, I the Wii U is as a system, you know, is not the worst thing in the world. Like I, I think the gamepad has its moments. I think that, you know, there are great games for that system so far. We're, we're a year and change into that, you know, theoretical three to four year, you know, uh, hardware cycle there. So there's still plenty of room for them to do good things on it. It's just, you know, the, the issue now is just getting people to pay attention. And I don't think any of the changes they just described are going to get people who weren't paying attention to do so. That's just no. you know, my look at it. I mean, you know, you've got one of the other pieces of news that came out um, this week, actually this morning, or I think it was, might have been yesterday afternoon, is that uh, Arkham Origins mm-hmm. is having its story DLC canceled yep. for the Wii U. Due to lack um, of demand. And so Nintendo is offering refunds to, to folks that, that purchased that, even though they bought a season pass and some of that content was already delivered on the Wii U. So they're basically Nintendo getting Nintendo is offering... Free. Yeah, Nintendo's offering refunds on on the, the season pass as a whole. Uh, and it's like at the point that companies that have already released their games on your platform and are bailing out on the engineering effort to produce the DLC, like, whew, mm-hmm. that's yeah. bad. Well, that's bad. I, there's no way to spin that. They're already in a bad way with third parties, and you know, having situations like this where you put out a game that you know I, I I'm to understand sold reasonably well on the the regular platforms. Uh, having these situations where a, a friggin' Batman game can't drum drum up enough interest to even get you know enough people to like de- to make it worth developing the DLC for it is just that's that's that that's further down that rabbit hole. That is not climbing up out of it. That is that is you are getting in a worse situation with with third parties when stuff like that starts happening. Yep. Well, that's Nintendo. I that's am Nintendo. sure my guess is we'll be talking about them quite a bit in 2014. It yeah. is. Seems like it's going to be their roughest year in a long, long time, and there aren't many indications that's going to that's going to change anytime soon. Nope. Speaking uh, of rough years, okay. Um, some news broke uh, earlier uh, that Don't Nod, developer of Remember Me, uh, which was their first game uh, ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, initially the report said they were going into bankruptcy, 
uh, they had gone into redressment, uh, something in French, uh, which apparently is is their equivalent of of part part of the bankruptcy ah, bankruptcy process. Mm-hmm. Uh, the update, said, uh, at least uh, in a statement from the, the the studio, says they are not actually in bankruptcy, uh, but they their financial difficulties are not at the point where the studio is in danger of shutting down right away. They are resizing. Uh, the company somewhat and that they apparently have uh, a partner lined up for whatever their next project is or at least they are in the final negotiations of uh with a partner but regardless you know the fact that they are in some financial uh distress maybe is not surprising because i don't think remember me sold particularly well Mm -mm. uh i know it was i think it was frequently downloaded as part of the uh, the playstation plus deal but it was. Well, not... I think it's just. I don't think that has that happened yet. Oh, I think that might be. Maybe, this maybe month. I'm. Maybe I'm totally high on that one. I don't know. But. Well, yeah. Re- yeah. Remember me is uh, as part of the, uh, February, uh, PlayStation Plus stuff. So, you know, maybe that'll get folks a little more interested in it. Not that it really matters at this point. No, because I don't know. I mean, other than it being a cool game, like you know, theoretically on paper. I'm imagining, as we talked about on Monday's show. I'm imagining that any copies of that game that would sell at this point would go more toward recouping Capcom's costs than it would actually go toward the studio, uh, just knowing how some of those deals tend to go with first-time right. studios. So um, regardless, you know, it's it's a bummer because Remember Me, while not perfect by any stretch, uh, and in fact kind of uh, irritating in some respects, was a really cool first, like, you know, kind of an initial vision of what that studio could be. Like it had some really good ideas in it. Uh, it had some certainly some features that were very much worth lauding. Um, I don't want to see you know a studio like that that is trying at least trying kind of crazy shit that you know whether it works or not uh, is at least interesting. I don't want to see them you know suddenly fall into disrepair just after one game. You know that's yeah. I would love to see those guys try to do some more stuff and see what else uh, they can come up with. So I'm hopeful. That this is not, you know, as bad as that initial report said, and that what they are saying now is is correct. That they have another uh, publisher lined up for whatever it is they're they're going to do next. Uh, I want to see it happen. I want to see more from that studio. Yeah, it sounds like it was in according to the chat the European PlayStation Plus for ah. a long time now, but it is just coming to the North American PlayStation Plus as part of like a crazy lineup Mm -hmm. that Sony has set for February. Uh, Outlast is the PlayStation 4 game. It's only one of those because, you know, the platform's just getting started. Yep. Um, But that, you know, if you already have PlayStation Plus, I hate when people call it free because these PlayStation Plus games are not free. No, you're paying for a subscription. Uh, You're paying for a subscription. Uh, You're getting access to, uh, you're getting a very good value. Yes. You are paying for them. Um, And Outlast is, you know, not my favorite horror game, uh, but uh, it is well worth playing, especially if you have a PlayStation Plus subscription. Uh, and it's it is a lot of fun. It's a it's a thrill ride. It's a very cheap thrill ride. It's a roller coaster. Um, but it's definitely definitely worth playing. Um, and the other stuff, I mean, again, this is North America. Uh, you know, Metro Last Light, Mod Nation Racers, Road Trip, Street Fighter Cross Tekken on Vita for Street Fighter, uh, Remember Me, and Payday Two. Uh, and then Europe swaps out. Uh, let's see. Uh, Payday 2, Remember Me, and Street Fighter for Bioshock Infinite and Dynasty Warriors next. So, I mean, Sony, you know, they are, as as soon as they introduce that, you know, the on-demand lineup for PlayStation Plus, it is completely turned around that service uh, in my mind. And they continue to make good on that. 
in a way that you know Microsoft is only doing the baby steps of uh, right now and really you know, baby steps. Yeah. Uh, what did they? What was what was the one that was this month? It wasn't uh, good. I remember that. I I don't remember what the game was though. Hmm. Was it Xbox Gold? Uh. Yeah, I'm trying to look. Last month it was Sleeping Dogs, which is a good one. That is a good one. Uh, and Lara Croft and the Guardian of Light, which nobody played, but is an excellent game and actually might be better than the most recent Tomb Raider reboot. Uh, uh, I don't know about that. Because that game was awesome. That game is awesome. That game is awesome. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I think we might disagree on that. I don't know. Doesn't Whatever. I don't know what the... I don't know what it is. I can't find it. Uh, someone says Dead Island is the is the rumor oh. next one. Okay, that game's good. Yeah, Dead Dead Island, original is a Dead great Island. game. It's not bad, uh, especially because uh, in the pseudo sequel that's coming out, uh, they are taking out the best part of Dead Island, which is the analog stick combat, because those people are monsters, and I don't know why they would take it out of the game, especially when it was an earlier build of the game. Maybe it just didn't work. I don't know. You know, sometimes you change the mechanics and stuff just doesn't work anymore. You never know. Brad and I were the only ones that liked that. Just. But. Totally random thought that just went through my head when you were you were uh-huh. talking about some of those other things. Have we heard anything about Tekken Cross Street Fighter in the last like two and a half years? Mm, no. Okay. Yes. Yeah, but I don't I don't know if it's anything significant or anything more than just sure we're making it. I'm not sure. sure yeah, are. that's a good question. Sure they are. They have other things All going right. on. Whatever. Um, news-wise, pretty much what I had. Uh, there's also a Sly Cooper movie coming, so yay! Yeah, that's sure. That uh, sure. it's the same studio that's making the Ratchet movie and made that uh that CG Heavenly Sword movie. So they obviously got a bulk deal from Sony, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Um, Plants for Zombies Garden Warfare split screen mode is exclusive to Xbox One. That sounds like a really hot exclusive. F you. Yeah. PopCap and Microsoft? <laughs> That's not how you should dole out exclusives? Not That's really. lame. Yeah, pretty um, much. I'm not usually one that poo-poos exclusives because it's part of the game. Um, that's how you get people to stick to your platform. But that's... That's not... That's... that's Come on. Yeah. Be a little more creative. That's just... Ins- it's just stupid. It's just insulting. It's stupid. I don't... That it's really stupid. You're right. You're right. Uh, and then there was this other thing that kind of got people in a tizzy earlier this week uh, that the Microsoft Store is offering $100 credit for not only a trade of an Xbox 360, and this is all towards an Xbox One, uh, but also $100 credit for a PlayStation 3. So, you know, if you're going to do something like that, I guess good on them for accepting a PlayStation 3 as well. Yeah, makes sense. I won't do it because obviously I already have an Xbox One, so I can... I actually have two PlayStation 3s, and I should probably get rid of one of those at some point, but that is not how I'm going to end up doing it. I will probably sell it on Craigslist. Yeah, I've only got one. Well, I've got like a a half-working 60 gig that yeah. apparently I can sell on eBay and someone would still want because uh, it won't really play PS3 games, but it will play emulated stuff. Right. Uh, or at least I don't have any problems with that. So I might just sell that at some point at a loss. Uh, but I, I wanna, I'm going to play Dark Souls 2. I'm at PS3 because it sounds like the PC version is a ways off. Yeah. Uh, and I have Walking Dead uh, still on my PS3 because it you know doesn't sound like that PS4 version is happening anytime soon. Yeah, I've still, if at all. I've still got my PlayStation 3 fat from launch, uh, which you know I use obviously to play PS2 games when I need to as well. Uh, and then I still have the one I bought my girlfriend, the the Slim, like three and a half years ago uh mm. for christmas and she doesn't really want that anymore so i'm probably just gonna sell that for her at some point 
I, I, yeah. I, I got to oh. keep that fat one around because, you know, it still plays, you know, games I still have on a shelf. So, right. Right. Uh, also, it's a PSA. Sounds like Zelda Four Swords is uh, free on 3DS right now uh, for this weekend. Uh, if you didn't redeem it, I think the last time around that it was free. Uh, but that's in North America only. But you should grab that game. It's a good game. I haven't played it since it, it came out, but game. I remember liking it. Yeah. Uh, if any folks have any questions they want to drop in before we uh, close this down, mm-hmm. um, let's see. Let's see if there's anything in here right now. Someone said uh, that uh, Killer Instinct is inst- instituting a jail system for players that disconnect too often. I kind of love that idea. That's great. Yeah. I wonder how that looks to those players. Let's see what that. Let's see if I Google that really quick. Killer Instinct jail. I love jail. That's great. Uh, here's a GameSpot story. Here's how it works. After their first 10 matches, a ranked match player will be shipped off to jail if they notch up a 15% or higher disconnection ratio. When in jail, players can only fight against other jailed players, with first defenders forced to slug it out with the other naughty fighters for 24 hours. Naughty fighters. The length of punishment will be increased by 24 hours every time a player is sent to the Killer Instinct jail with a cap of five days. After serving time, players are released back to the normal players but will be sent to jail again if they disconnect a match while the percentage is still higher than 15%. Any match that ends with a player being jailed will count as an automatic loss for the disconnecting player, Double Helix adds. Uh, that's fantastic. I think that's smart. That's great. I love it. I'm way into that idea. Uh, I would probably I still it. be playing Mortal Kombat online every now and again if it had something like that. Uh, most people are going to hate this, but I'm going to bring it up because Hammond of Texas is asking... Who do you got your money on in the Super Bowl? Ooh. Um, that is this weekend. It's really, for me, it's going to depend on the weather. If it snows at all, I'm going Seahawks. If it stays cold but clear, it's kind of 50-50 for me. I feel like, obviously, the Broncos' offense is way, way better than the Seahawks' offense. Like, the Seahawks' mm-hmm. offense is Marshawn Lynch and not much else. Um, yeah. But, Don't really have receivers. But that defense is really good. And yeah. and Denver's defense has has been up and down, so it's not you're not really sure where that's going to go. I'm I'm yeah. I'm, I'm the, the only problem with the, the Seahawks, Seahawks is that they can, like for like I, I I'm rooting for the Seahawks too. I don't I, this, the, you know boohoo for Peyton Manning. Uh, I like Russell Wilson a lot. I like that young Seahawks team a lot. Yeah. Uh, I think Richard Sherman got a lot of undue crap yep. for just being excited that he made the play of his life mm-hmm. uh, against. Uh, notoriously, everyone talks crap in the NFL. Like, <laughs> like we're just forgetting suddenly that Deion Sanders played in the NFL. Like, really? Yeah. Like, come yeah, on. Exactly. Uh, so I, I like that Seahawks team, and I, you know, I feel like they're the underdog. But you know, it is the problem for them is just you know you can shut down two receivers on the Broncos, and Peyton Manning still has other options. Uh, it's mostly I think for the Seahawks to win, Peyton Manning has to have a bad day. Yeah. And. Uh, or at least a mediocre day, and and let me tell you, nothing that's, would that's, make that, me that's happier. a tall order. Nothing would make me happier Peyton. than him having a bad day. I'm sure for Eli Manning, nothing would make him happier than to watch his brother have a mediocre day in his stadium. Yep, I uh, my only regret for San Francisco not making it, like I I think Seattle pretty much outplayed them and, and deserves to be there. My own, the only bummer for me is that I really wanted to see Peyton Manning, the old man robot lose to the world's first yellow swag quarterback i thought that would have been really fun to watch him lose to the equivalent of some punk teenager like that would have been great uh driver bomb on asks uh alex what's your thoughts on cm punk leaving the wwe 
Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I don't want to bog us down too much with wrestling talk here because, you know, obviously. We'll close it out with this. We'll, we'll close okay. down this. this uh, we'll, blo- we'll, we'll bog it up with some wrestling talk and, and bring this show to a so close. So just, just to really quickly recap, uh, earlier this week, it was not announced anywhere officially that CM Punk was leaving the WWE, but it has been reported by all the uh, online dirt sheets, as they were, that he is gone. Uh, he left after Monday Night Raw and just said, I, I don't I don't want to do this anymore. Uh, apparently, he had been frustrated for a long time with how they were using him. He's been injured on and off for, you know, the last year or so. Uh, so it's, you know, it, it was a culmination of factors, I guess. Now, the question to some people still have is, is this all part of some grand storyline that they're doing? You know, are they getting super meta with this shit in a way that they have never tried to do before? I would love to believe that they are capable of pulling something like that off. It would be pretty amazing if they could. Uh, I don't think that company is smart enough to actually do that. I think most of the things they do that are good, they kind of accidentally stumble into as opposed to plotting out in any meaningful way. Um, So I'm bummed on the one hand because I liked CM Punk. He was a good character. You know, he was fun to watch. At the same time, his role has seemed somewhat redundant over the last year, and I'm not surprised that he would just kind of say all right well i've saved my money i'm tired of getting beat up all the time and doing nothing interesting so i'm just gonna leave it sucks but it's also kind of emblematic of the state of affairs in 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 american professional wrestling at this point i guess did i i saw this through osmosis just Mm -hmm. like someone mentioned on twitter maybe by something you retweeted or someone mentioned but like did like the official WWE account stopped following him on Twitter, yes, and that was did. taken as an indication that maybe this is for real. So hilariously, yes, he, that did happen. Uh, and the fact that places like TMZ and other, you know, like actual news outlets were reporting it uh, certainly had something to do with it as well. The other hilarious thing is that the same the day it happened, uh, the WWE shop account uh, posted the new CM Punk merchandise literally hours after that story started hitting. So they're still selling the merchandise. They're just taking him all off, off all the events, I guess. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, all right. Well, what are you up to this weekend? What are you you going to try and finish Broken Age? What else do you yeah, got? Yeah, I'm going to finish agenda? Broken Age. Uh, I'm going to play through another a review game that I've already finished again for fun because uh, I like it. Uh, I'm going to watch the Super Bowl, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's kind of it. Nothing, nothing too elaborate planned out. What do you got coming up? Yeah, I'm going to try and... Try and make it through the Banner Saga. Uh, so how long did that take you? Uh, just under 10. So like nine and a half hours. Okay. So I'm about halfway through. I think if I put in two sessions over the weekend. Because uh, now that I'm on the West Coast, the or the, the Midwest, the Super Bowl is not till 5.30. So I get my I get all my Sunday to myself before I have to go to someone's house for that. Um, so I'll probably, yeah, try and finish the Banner Saga. And then probably yeah, I want to uh, move on to Republic. Uh, and I want to Republic. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to get that right. Yeah. Uh, so I want to play that. Uh, so I'll probably move on to that after uh, the Banner Saga. And then, yeah, Jazz Punk and Octodad. So at least a lot of short games. Uh, a lot of games that won't take up too much of uh, my time going forward. But, yeah, that's going to do it for this show. Uh, we'll be joined on Monday uh, by Mike Biffle, uh, the mm-hmm. designer of Thomas Was Alone and the upcoming uh, stealth game uh, volume. Uh, he is a super funny guy. Uh, you should follow him on Twitter. Uh, he's... Always got an opinion, and he's he's very entertaining. So he'll be joining us uh, on Monday, and uh, yeah, I guess I guess that's a show. That Alex. is indeed a show. Uh, have yourself a nice weekend, and uh, happy Super Bowl, friend. Yeah. See, you, Alex. Oh.